Welcome to the Paleo View. I'm Stacy Toth of PaleoParents.com. You might also know me as the broth lady or the inventor of the hashtag more vegetables than a vegetarian. I'm the co-author of several paleo cookbooks, including Eat Like a Dinosaur, Beyond Bacon, Real Life Paleo. I like to talk about health at any size and self-love and personal acceptance. Specifically, I have a love for lifting heavy things. If you're interested in finding more out about that, you can also find me on Strong Woman Radio. And I'm Dr. Sarah Ballantyne of thepaleomom.com. I'm the New York Times bestselling author of The Paleo Approach and The Paleo Approach Cookbook. I'm passionate about nutrient density and the intersection of diet and lifestyle with health, which really means I just love talking about science. News and Views, where Sarah and I catch up and you get to listen to our gossip. Episode 200. What? 200. Honestly, I completely forgot until this very moment, even though we've talked about it like 800 times leading up to this week. What is happening? Um, that means... Weirdly, this is okay. It's almost four years, is what it's it means. Almost four years is what it means. We have been podcasting like long enough for a child to go to kindergarten almost. That's creepy. Um, I was trying to think of like what was four years. <laughs> it's like. Uh, it was between leap years. That was not no, not no. quite a good fit. No, it no. was just like, who cares about leap years, really? Um, Two hundred episodes. So um, we still haven't talked about everything. Isn't that the most amazing thing? I you still listen to it. I mean, all six people. I kind of wonder sometimes if we haven't talked about everything because sometimes it's a little bit of a deja vu on the thing. And I'm like, did we talk about that? Should I reference another show? Was that just in my dream? Is that a <laughs> phone call that we had? <laughs> well, I mean, I think that um, one of the things that podcasting for this amount of time has let us do is revisit topics that have evolved and changed with conversation within the paleo movement. Um, and that's been a really neat thing to be able to just, I mean, we've seen so much change in this movement, not just over our four years, but in the, what, 15-ish years since the paleo diet was first published. And when you think about the very first iteration of this diet compared to what it looks like now, it's just amazing. And even when you think about like, you've, how long, wait, how long have you been paleo now? I've lost track. Six Over years? Over six years. Yeah. Yeah. May, so, it was May and now it's June. Yeah. Yeah. And I'm coming up to, uh, this August will be my five year. Whoa. Wait. Yeah. I'm really, I'm not as good at math as I used to be. I have to think about that again. Yeah. My five you year. Gotta, you got to plan a big party for that. It's a biggie. Clearly. 
I have how many we did a fun, I five years of my entire life. We did a fun blog post with like a timeline. And sometimes I go back to that blog post and just look at it to remind myself of like, whoa, this has been a really amazing journey and how our lives have been transformed by this whole thing. Um, I'm totally going to take that idea and do it because that's an amazing idea. <laughs> um, yeah, it's, it's, to me, it's just amazing to reflect back on, um, I don't know. I think, you know, my life challenges, the things that made every, you know, each day harder than it needed to be transcended food when I started paleo, right? It was things like, um, mild depression and, um, irritable bowel syndrome and a kid who threw, uh, temper tantrums for at least an hour a day. And her record was four hours. And another kid who had, um, obstructive sleep apnea that we couldn't figure out the root cause of and, um, you know, joint pain that just followed me everywhere so much so that I didn't even really know that I could live without it. And, um, and when I think about what, what paleo gave me is it didn't, I mean, right. It didn't just give me my own health, but like, so for example, my kids ballet dress rehearsal, or not their, their recital, um, was uh, a week ago and it was absolutely lovely. My kids were super well behaved. Um, uh, my youngest was in the first act and my oldest was in the second act. So we got three tickets and we sat with my oldest for the first act and then we switched and they were super well behaved. They sat still. They, um, it was, they danced beautifully and I watched the entire thing, not through a screen. I did not try to record it. I didn't try to take pictures. I just sat in the moment and enjoyed it. It didn't wipe me out. It wasn't, ex- you know, it wasn't an exhausting experience, even though it was a, you know, two and a half hour long recital. And that whole rest of the day, I was thinking like, this was the best one yet. And I'm like, it's because of not just the paleo diet and what that has done for all of our physical health, but also all of our mental health, but also the lifestyle aspects that have come with that. So, um, things like, you know, the fact that I get enough sleep all the time now and, um, I'm active and very, very strong and my kids have energy and they don't melt down the way they used to. And, the um, mindfulness aspect of paleo, just right, living in the moment and enjoying the moment. And all of those things kind of came together to make for a really wonderful day. And that's not something that I think, you know, ignoring the fact that my kids were five and two when we started this whole journey and not nine and six. Um, but, um, but I don't think that was a path that we were even on. Like I was barely surviving motherhood when we started and, and paleo gave me tools that go, went, you know, far beyond what, you know, were my initial, right. My initial goal with paleo was I had some skin conditions and I really wanted to see this clear up. Like that's, that's all it was. And then it was like, I was really excited about it. So I wanted to start a website just to share my enthusiasm. Well, it's sorry. I didn't mean to cut you off. You didn't go ahead. I was just super jazzed because I had the same kind of experience this weekend. And 
for me, my goal was that I wanted the energy to play with my children. Like it wasn't about looking good naked or weight loss. Um, I had been told by a doctor that I would, you know, be less likely to die at an early age if I lost 20% of my weight. So, I mean, my long-term goal was to lose 20% of my weight, but I didn't necessarily associate that with like paleo or whatever that was. Like my goal was I wanted to feel good and have energy to play with my kids. And so for me this weekend, the boys and I went to the pool every day this weekend and we went to the pool last weekend. And that's first of all, in and of itself, a thing, like I'm going in a public place and I'm wearing a bathing (laughs) suit. And, um, and it wasn't something that I ever hesitated about. Like I remember years and years ago when, you know, we talk about doing things, my initial response would be no, not because I didn't want to do it, but because I would find myself embarrassed in whatever situation that was. Right. And so it like never occurred to me, which was my ultimate goal, which is that I wanted to be able to live a full life with my boys. And so that's great in and of itself. But yesterday I was sitting in the shade with Wesley who, um, got out of the pool and was like, I'm cold because he has zero body fat. And the boy is just like miserable with the cold. Mm -hmm. It's not quite summer here, but the big boys are totally fine to be at the pool. And so, you know, I'm sitting with him or sitting in the shade and I'm watching this mother who is like sitting on the edge of the pool, fully clothed and has her two children like six inches away from the edge of the pool where she can still reach them with her arms and her feet in life jackets. And she's a larger woman. And all I could think was like, that could have been me. Like I could have been the person who was so uncomfortable in my own skin. No, granted I'm making an assumption about why she wasn't, you know, in a bathing suit or getting in the pool with her daughters. But I could tell that she really wanted to engage with them because she was playing with them and she was kind of pushing them away from the wall with her feet and bringing them back in. And, but she wasn't getting, in the pool. And so, you know, I'm putting it upon myself. Maybe she had, you know, a surgery and couldn't get in the water, but I'm putting it in myself that like, that could have been me. I totally could have seen myself like not being willing to get into a bathing suit in public and played with my boys. And instead what I was doing is, you know, throwing things to the boys, having them chase it, then them throwing me things, chasing it in the water, sneaking up on them, doing underwater shark attack. And then while on break, my kids are old enough where they can sit in a chair and I was swimming laps. And so it was like, this is transformative in a way that like food cannot describe. And when people ask me questions about paleo outside of the paleo community, like people who I work with or, or whatever, you know, I don't immediately jump into the food stuff. I immediately say things like, well, you know, our kids went off of medication. My son used to be on a daily inhaler and, you know, I was really unhealthy. I lost a lot of weight and I'm a lot healthier now. Like that's how I try to focus on it because that's how I feel it applies to me. And I just, I think that it's the more people who tell those kinds of stories, um, is the reason that the community is what it is here seven, 10, 20 years later, depending on when you jumped in. But um, yeah, I, I'm totally with you on that whole energy, happy, living a fuller, happier life thing. And I, you know, it's a great I, reminder. I can remember in undergrad, um, there was a, a group of friends that would all go for these like group runs together. And they weren't particularly long runs, particularly fast runs. And I remember... Like I never, ever got invited to go. And I can remember feeling like if I can, if I can achieve, you know, one health related thing, I want it to be that it's, 
I, I'm a person that would at least get invited. Like from there, I can decide whether or not I want to go run however long far it was that they were running. But I'm, I'm not even getting the invitation. It's like so obviously a no. You know, Clearly, Sarah doesn't want to do that. And um, I was at, at Paleo FX, uh, what's that, a couple weeks ago now. Time's flying really fast. And uh, you know, having a chit-chat with Jen Sinclair. I don't know if you saw this photo. We posted it on Instagram. And uh, well, I did see it in the like, lion shirt. Yeah, she was like, give me, a, you know, she gave me a shirt. I was like, oh, this is awesome. I'm just going to put it over my blouse. And then, you know, my, um, one of my team members was like, oh, let's take a picture. And then, you know, Jen Sinclair goes, gun show. And then we're both like, flex our muscles. I was looking at that pic- I When I looked at that photo, I started to, I mean, I, I would have cried if I hadn't been in a public place wearing mascara. And, um, and it was just this like, like, look at my muscle next to Jen Sinclair's muscle. Like, it's, I'm like, it's being one of this group, right? This group that I felt like they never would even invite me to go exercise with them. And paleo has given me that belonging with that group of people. And I don't know that, um, I don't know that that's even something I could have even communicated before I started this journey, that would be something that I would want, you know, just to feel like, um, to feel strong and to feel, um, fit and right. That's, that's something that goes, I mean, that's something that paleo has allowed me to do because I would not have been able to take up CrossFit with how my health was before. And I had to heal on paleo for a couple of years before my body was ready for that. Um, but it's something that has come with, this whole health journey is to not just, right. It's not just clear skin and thick hair. It's, um, it's muscles that match Jen Sinclair's. I mean, not a little bit, a little bit match. I mean, Jen Sinclair, like clearly her muscles are the bomb, but I can stand beside her and flex my muscles and feel like I belong. And that's just such an amazing amazing thing, especially when you think of how old I am now, as we've already talked about. <laughs> um, but uh, So many times. Right? Because you're that old. Like, we just need so to keep bringing it up. No. Right? You're not. I, I hope that you know that when I say it, it's because I'm mocking the fact that you're not <laughs> that old, right? Like, you're only a couple of years ahead of me. If I was calling you that old, like, what I'm just giving my future, you know? <laughs> In not that long. I mean, I'm only old enough to have been your babysitter. No, you are not. I could have babysat you. No, not legally. Okay, so side note, <laughs> earlier at the pool yesterday, I said something, Nicole. I, I don't remember what it was. Probably that I was, you know, swimming laps with a bunch of older people, and I called myself old. That's what it was. Um, for some reason, it's always the older people that swim laps that break. I'm not quite sure what that is, but... Um, it's like the teenagers, the 18-year-olds, and the 22-year-olds also get out of the pool, which is interesting. So anyway, so swimming laps, and I said something to Nicole about being old. And he looks at me, he goes, you're only 34. You're not that old. And I go, oh, really? How old is old? And he's like, 
60? And I was like, yes, we've like passed this threshold where a couple of years ago I would ask how old we were and we would get like these most uncomfortable responses and they would tell us that we were old. So evidently Cole is, is like old enough to understand that life passes pretty quickly now and no longer thinks that I'm old. So evidently you're not old either in the eyes of a 10 year old, which is pretty impressive. That's, you know, I'll take it. I'll take it. Because in the eyes of a six-year-old, I'm apparently guesstimate 78 years old. Exactly. That's what we were going through a few years ago. <laughs> like, we had the, the, the muffins for moms thing, which is like the Mother's Day thing at the classroom. And they do this whole little, like, this little, they answer a little survey. Mom's favorite color, mom's favorite uh, food. And, like, all the way down, the questions were, like, it was either a super adorable six-year-old answer, like, you know, mom is happiest when she's cuddling with me, right? Like Mm -hmm. super, you know, just designed to make you tear up. Or it was like, yeah, spot on, like steak's pretty delicious. I'll, yep, that's (laughs) something I would put in my top 10 foods. Excellent choice. Um, And then it's like age 78. I'm like, almost. (laughs) Well, if it makes you feel better, when I went on the cruise with my father and my sisters, and I've mentioned before that my sisters are much younger than me, um, 10 years, I got repeatedly, repeatedly treated as my father's wife. Like, to the point where, you know, the cruise photographers that are constantly in your face insisting that you take photos would, like, tell my father and I to put our arms around each other for the happy couple photo. And we would both be like, no! Like, it, it was like <laughs> time was, like, slowing down and I was putting my hands in front of myself, I mean, like, no! I should have assumed second trophy wife. Yeah, so that's what Matt said. Matt was like, it's a compliment. They think you're a trophy wife. And I was like, no, they don't. <laughs> yeah. Aww, wah, wah. <laughs> <laughs> well, um, you know, we talked about what we wanted to do for, for show 200, and both of us felt like it was a really appropriate thing to take some time to really reflect Um, I also think it would be really fun to reflect a little bit on just how much the paleo movement in general has changed and grown. Um, It's been amazing. Like, um, you know, I heard people now, I don't know if there was a new, um, a new survey done to try and guess how many, how many Americans are, are paleo, but I heard people talking about like, 10 to 15 million people at paleo effects. I don't know where those numbers come from. I mean, somebody might've just made it up and then everyone else just said it, repeated it. But, you know, when you think about, you know, this, this diet, I mean, it started really with Lauren Cordain's book um, in what was it? 2001, 2002, the first edition. I don't know when the first edition was, but I, I know that the second edition wasn't yet out when we went paleo, which was 2010. So I'll just jump back in time since I'm the older of the paleo um, people in this scenario and say that, you know, when I started paleo in 2010, it was Lauren Cordain's original book. And that was before the paleo solution. Right. And the second paleo book. And as I often joke, it said that um, canola oil and diet Coke were okay. Right. And Lauren Cordain 
this is it, it's only in jest. Like we understand that Lauren Cordain's publisher put that in writing because they just thought that it was you know too far out there, and that the editions have since been revised to remove that. But I'm just saying for the record, when I started Paleo, that's that was out there, and then the resources that I found were only online, and there were very little and few and far between. And the one site that I remember leveraging a lot was Paleo Hacks. And I remember one of the first things that I read on Paleo Hacks was this like angsty, fringe, crazy, like basically right-wing paleo approach on like if you're eating any of these foods, then you're not paleo. And a lot of the foods were AIP foods. And at the time I had no idea that there was like even an AIP because you weren't paleo, like, you know what I mean? Like nobody, nobody knew any of that stuff. The first time, the first place where AIP was mentioned in any kind of way was actually in Rob Wolf's book, The Paleo Solution. Right, and Rob Wolf's book wasn't out yet. Practical Paleo wasn't out yet. You weren't out yet. So I'm sure there was like some paragraph in some blog post somewhere that mentioned nightshades, but this paleo hack thing was like, if you're eating bell peppers, tomatoes, blah, 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 then you're not paleo. And I remember saying to Matt out loud, like, I don't know how to do this. Like if I, if, if what we're doing is in paleo, like I can't give up nightshades. Like this is, this is insane. What is this person talking about? I'm just going to ignore that I even saw this post. Um, and then I, I found bloggers like Alana's pantry who at the time wasn't specifically paleo. Her paleo book hadn't come out yet, but she had a lot of paleo friendly recipes. Yeah. She was more just a gluten free. Yeah. But but she she used almond almond and coconut flour. Yeah. And then the other blogger that I followed was the spunky coconut who I don't know if people know that both of those bloggers have been around long before paleo, um, were both gluten free bloggers and were allergen friendly bloggers. And so spunky coconut had a lot of coconut based, um, recipes that were also like, adaptable to a whole bunch of different variations because her children had allergies. And so they were things that like, that's where we learned to bake and cook paleo because those were the only recipes that existed at the time. And then of course, you know, over the, like a year or two, Rob's book came out and then everyday paleo launched. And then, um, you came onto the scene probably six months after that, you know, so it was like this, this whole snowball effect was really great, but there was a time at which most of us, you know, before kind of that five year mark, were fumbling around in the dark a little bit because we were just like pulling strings out of a hat and hoping that we made things work because uh, there weren't the resources like there are today. Yeah, no, and not, not by, not by a long shot. And even, you know, when I um, started, it was before It Starts With Food came out, but the whole 30 was sort of already a thing. Um, but the sort of prevailing mentality was um, that paleo had to be this like super strict, um, um, you know, meat and vegetables. And, and, you know, for example, potatoes were um, considered, you know, devil's spawn food yeah and um even like lauren cordain came down really hard on because lauren was very low carb like yes it wasn't it wasn't just potatoes the original lauren definition and a lot of people still describe it as a you know lean meats and a low carb approach like berries are okay but pineapple and watermelon you should you should not mangoes and right yeah so his his initial approach was very it was low carb but it was also low fat with the added fats coming from things like flax oil which you know like now we talk about we go okay well flax is a higher 
food source of phytoestrogens than soy. And um, the alpha linoleic acid, you know, converts to, you know, the longer chain um, omega-3s like DHA and EPA at about a 0.5% efficiency. Like it's, it's actually not, um, it's not a good source of omega-3s and you get a whole lot of estrogen for your, you know, oil that tastes, I, I mean, I, I've never liked the taste of flax oil. It's always been a, I guess I should use this because it's supposed to be healthy for me. Um, and so, you know, his, his initial, and he, I mean, he still, I think, um, maintains a lot of his, um, his initial perspectives on paleo, but as paleo has grown, what's been amazing is that it has acquired um, the insight from some really, really intelligent people, um, other researchers, other medical professionals, um, people with uh, backgrounds like mine or like Matt Lalonde's, so more like the PhD researchers. Um, and, um, and you've got, you know, voices like, um, Alessa Fasano or Linda Frasetto, their names sound similar, but they're not actually spelled the same. Um, or uh, Steven Lindenberg, like you've got these other researchers who are adding their voices. Um, people like Stephen Guillenay, right? And it's in, it's changed the conversation, so it's it's a little bit broader. So it's more of a you know, for me, what I really like is I like seeing like, where's the contemporary science? Like, where is the, how does this food actually interact with the human body? Um, does, you know, what are the compounds in this food that are supporting health? What are the compounds in this food that are undermining health? Um, who might this food be appropriate for? You know, like, is it, it's, it's not, it's not these like big brushstrokes anymore. It's getting much more um, fine tuned. And at the same time, you know, starting to understand, right, the importance of fat-soluble vitamins and a higher fat intake, but not too high fat intake, and um, understanding that micronutrients are really where it's at. And that's actually, when you look at hunter-gatherer diets, their macronutrients vary pretty dramatically by, typically it sort of goes by distance from the equator, um, but, you know, varies by inland versus coastal regions and all those things. But what those diets have in common is healthful fats and micronutrient sufficiency and um, and lots and lots of fiber. And so what I like is seeing that these concepts are now being infused through paleo. So it's um, using, I think, a broader lens to, um, to sort of outline what a optimal human diet is with a like, here's a more rigid thing to start, um, you know, Cut out all, cut out all the bad stuff, and and here's here's your your starting point that really is, you know, some high quality meat, seafood, and lots of vegetables, and a little bit of fruit, eggs, nuts, and seeds, and then here's all of your playing room like team white rice, you know, potatoes. Potatoes are now whole thirty approved. Um, you know, nobody's talking about avoiding. Which, can we just talk about that for a moment? Because there were like at least a dozen. Um, I'll call them bloggers, but they were big names in paleo people who had come out and said, 
Like if you don't have blood sugar dysregulation and if you don't have an autoimmune disease, then potatoes can be treated the exact same way as sweet potatoes. And I think it was Matt Lalonde or or Chris Tarot or yeah, it was either Chris Cresser or Matt Lalonde that gave um, like a nutrient profile breakdown in the two and said potatoes even have more nutrients than sweet potatoes. So if you're going to do one of the two nutrients, like it had, they have more vitamin C, like there's certain nutrients that are, they're higher than sweet potatoes and then sweet potatoes have higher of others, but right. They're not a they're not a nutrient. They're not the void, void starch that, right. that people sort of pretend that they right. are. So that's my point. So I just want to. I mean, it's an. I, I think, think it was maybe Paul Jaminet who was the first one to. Uh, maybe not. It wouldn't, but, it wouldn't surprise me, but that yeah. I don't know that he gave like the nutritional breakdown the way that no, I, I. But believe. he was talking about the importance of these really complex carbohydrate starchy foods for, I, yeah. for a long time. Well, and that that brings in a whole new fold of like the perfect health being brought into the paleo community even more so than I think kind of is just as prominent as the aspect of the paleo community that's also kind of keto right so you have like these branches of paleo and but my my whole point is that like it's interesting that it wasn't deemed paleo and I'm using quotation marks despite the fact that like for example Mark Sisson said like potatoes are fine um and I think even and Rob green Wolf beans are fine. And, and green and beans and, beans and all these things, fine. right? And, yeah. and, I, and I remember reading it on Everyday Paleo. She had a potato salad recipe on her blog and a green bean recipe on her blog and talking about how, you know, she knows Rob Wolf and, like, these are things that they eat and they're paleo and here's why, right? So there's all these things that are happening, but it was, like, literally the day that Whole Food, that, that like, the Whole30 website, like, unbanished potatoes that it became a paleo food and I'm using quotation marks. And that's the interesting thing about the way that the community has kind of transformed to me is we aren't Weston A. Price Foundation. We aren't these things where we have like a particular person. We don't have a board who makes decisions. We don't have like, there's no central leadership. Yeah, right. There's no central organization. But there's because, no membership. Right. But yeah. because Whole30 is like a formal plan and it's published and it's how most people come into paleo, it became somewhere along the line the voice of paleo, which is interesting when you think like it was started by two people who worked with Rob Wolf. When Rob Wolf stopped doing seminars, he said, hey, the Hartwigs are great people to do seminars with. They've they've got their own thing, but they're cool paleo people. And that's where it all started. And so, like, I don't know if people know that full history or, like, know about all of that, but it's it's fascinating to me to, like, know the history and watch it kind of evolve. I think that it was a sort of interesting moment in paleo history when, you know, Whole30 was that rubber stamp of approval. I think that the community has gone beyond that now because if you look at for example green beans which you know Lauren Cardine was absolutely anti any kind of legume whatsoever and green beans are considered paleo and that didn't come from whole 30 stamp of approval it kind of came from a little bit from Mark a little bit from Rob a little bit from me a little you know it 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 sort of it trickled through everywhere and um, and it it didn't it, there wasn't sort of one voice that was like okay and now and and now the debate is over, um, and you know for example now there's this whole um, in, the dairy thing has always been sort of a an interesting issue for for debate 
uh, within paleo because it's sort of considered it's considered part of primal, right? Grass-fed dairy is is a primal food. It's part of Weston Price Foundation. Um, there are some hunter gatherers who consume dairy, um, but you know it is not digestible for a large percentage of the population. Allergies are um, very very common, and when you consider conventional industrially produced pasteurized dairy, homogenized dairy, there's some compounds in there that can cause health detriment. And so the like, it's always sort of been, I feel like the paleo opinion on dairy is like, try paleo without it, and then play with it, play with good quality dairy and see how you feel. But what's starting to happen now is we're getting access to all of this um, A2 beta casein dairy now, like camel milk. And for example, there was a like raw camel milk vendor at paleo effects and it it's um it's sort of it's permeating paleo without i mean even with you know lauren cardine doing a blog post about how camel milk is absolutely not paleo and nobody should go near it um it's still permeating the community at large because there's a lot of people who are like hey yeah you know a2 beta casein is cool it's way better than a1 beta casein and like this is a really neat highly digestible nutrient dense food let's you know let's talk about the merits of this food and it's sort of to me i feel like what's happening now in this community is you're getting a lot of different i don't know call them thought leaders the you know people with basically it's people with larger audiences who are talking about something and then it sort of percolates through um so i think that there was this like window of time where like that that rubber stamp was really needed but i i i feel like i mean maybe it would be different if we all started talking about buckwheat maybe that would need a stamp of approval if it got if it got to be like that much of a of a of a veering away from sort of basic paleo you know, tenets. chris Kressner talked about buckwheat and legumes and the community talked about it and figure out like who and why. I think why they overall talked it. about it and overall went, okay, Chris Kresser thinks that gluten-free, properly prepared gluten-free legumes and uh, or gluten-free grains and legumes might be okay for some people. I don't think anyone in the community has said, oh, and those are paleo now. Oh, no, 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 absolutely. What I'm saying is, is that there are some decisions that are going to go one way and some decisions that are going to go another, but that we as a community, I feel like do a great job of having intelligent discourse about the whys and the hows of those decisions, which I think makes it really unique that it's not black or right. It's not black or white. It's not right or wrong. It's what works for you. And for some people like for you and me, tomatoes are as bad or worse than gluten, but for other people, it's something else entirely, you know, and so and people need to just know. And it's totally okay that I'm jealous of those people, right? <laughs> but like, I am super okay. Like, even though six years ago, I said to myself, I could never give those things up. Like, now I'm okay with it. We've come up with alternatives. And I'm happy to have things back in my life, like rice and heavy cream, right? Those aren't everyday foods for me, but I can consume them and not have a flare or whatever. So, um, I think it's really fantastic that people are being empowered to learn about what works for their body ultimately. I think that to me is the true power of the paleo movement is that it is founded in two concepts. It's founded in our scientific, detailed scientific understanding of how food supports or undermines health, as well as the recognition that uh, genetic variation 
we are all individuals, means that what is optimal for one person is not necessarily going to be optimal for another person within an overall um, you know, framework of, you know, nutrient sufficiency is really important. Fiber for the gut microbiome is really important, right? Healthful fats is really important, but some people do better on fewer fats and some people do better on more fats, right? So um, I think that it's become a an umbrella that's, um, right, guides our day-to-day decisions, but empowers us to then tinker and experiment ourselves as individuals. And to harken back to what Diana Rogers said last week on the podcast to find a shade of paleo that works for us and is sustainable for us because that's really what this is about is about figuring out how to be as healthy as we can be for the rest of our lives and where that give and take is for each one of us is is a different as a different you know problem for each one of us to find the solution for truth well, 200th episode in the bag, I think. Girl, what are we going to do for our four-year anniversary? Who's going right? to come up with that math? Uh, Matt. Matthew? <laughs> for sure. Episode one of The Paleo View was first broadcast on August 15, 2012. That would make episode 208 of The Paleo View, which will be posted on August 12, 2016, the four-year anniversary of the Paleo View podcast. Matthew, it should be all, it should all be just um, all of the different sound effects we've put into every show <laughs> over the years. <laughs> Love them. Uh, all the, all the best of the bloopers. Oh, uh, best of bloopers. That'd be amazing. Um, awesome. Well, It'll just all be me giggling. In front you, of my- all you listeners can just hold your breath to see whatever Matt comes up with. Um, but Sarah, Happy 200th show anniversary. I looked up what you're supposed to get your partner for 200th anniversary, and it's undefined. I don't know what's going on there. <laughs> I, it must be precious precious jewels of some form, though, don't you think? Mm. <laughs> well, happy 200th show. Um, I just really want to say that um, it is... I mean, we're still going, but I, I want to say it's it's every week it's an honor to do this show with you. And I love the voice that we've been able to create together within this community. And, you know, man, thanks for having this idea. And thanks for thinking of me. Oh, you're getting all schmoopy. What's happening? I know. I wasn't intending on doing that, but it's getting late now and, oh. and schmoopiness happens. Schmoopy happens. Well, I feel the same way. And I know that... Neither one of us could have given the audience what they're getting without the other. So we are definitely better as a team <laughs> for sure. As podcasters yeah. than either one of us would be as individuals for sure. Awesome. Well, to all of you listeners, thanks for hanging it out for 200 episodes. For all of you listeners who just listened to 200 in a row and are embarking upon, you know, 240 or wherever it is in the future, I am so sorry. And (laughs) I promise you we're going to try to get better. (laughs) Oh, man. Yeah. Not, not, we didn't ever say all 200 were good. Um, and that's just the way it is. We have good weeks and bad weeks, but we're here every week. Yeah. (laughs) Awesome. So on that note, have a wonderful week and we will talk.
talk to you again soon. Thanks for listening. Thank you for listening to The Daily View. If you enjoyed the show, please take a moment to rate us on iTunes. You can also support us by shopping for our favorite paleo products on the sidebars of our individual websites or by donating through PayPal. totally had a good blooper for you and I was like oh I gotta wait until the show's over to tell it to you for blooper and I can't even remember now was it uh, a funny noise no you're just gonna do fart noises uh no because I get enough of that with the boys during the day I don't need to make fart noises uh, after they're so bed. my six year old while butt naked and supposedly get <laughs> to bed today goes hey mom what honey i can make really good fart noises <laughs> i go oh can you and she goes yeah <laughs> and i'm like yes you can she goes now i can hide in another room and make fart noises and fool you <laughs> <laughs> I was like, it's you know what it's really sad that you've given your daughters your sense of humor she then went into the bathroom and i think instead of brushing her teeth just made fart noises for like 10 minutes <laughs> you've got to tell her that that's not actually a joke that people will think she's actually pooping in the bathroom <laughs> if that's what she does yeah i just ignored it because i was too busy flossing the other one's teeth but there are zombies to slay on our televisions right now we must snombies we must did you say snombies Z- zombies well they're not zombies they're snombies why are they snombies they're snow zombies snow zombies uh snombies. but if you're ca- caught up on your Game of Thrones, you know that they weren't created because of the snow. So they're just zombies. It's true. But they live in the snow. Yeah. I don't think I can. I don't think they're I trying can- not to. Right. They're trying to get to the other side. We're going to have to call them something else. But for now, I still think of them as the snombies. Okay. Well, that's you. Over here. They're just zombies. They're zombies. They're not White Walkers. I mean, sometimes if we're trying to be formal. <laughs> <laughs> and we don't want to like get them confused with the other zombies right exactly alright Game of Thrones time Seeking the Truth never gets old introducing June's Journey the free to play mobile game that will immerse you in a thrilling murder mystery join June Parker as she uncovers hidden objects and clues to solve her sister's death in a beautifully illustrated world set in the roaring 20s with new chapters added every week the excitement never ends Download June's Journey now on your Android or iOS device or play on PC through Facebook games.